going to introduce myself and then introduce my husband. Um, I recognize a lot of faces in here because I come here um, every time there's a speaker generally, unless I have sick children or something like that. But my name is Jackie Tarno, and this is my husband, Adam, and he's actually on staff um, in the marriage ministry. He's the a young married pastor, director, um, so he does the foundation groups. So um, we're going to talk to you today about crazy busyness. So Adam's going to start us off. Great. Good morning, everybody. All right. Uh, all right. That was weak, but I'll let you pass on that. So um, excited to be here. I, I love this subject. Uh, I love talking about it. I don't know if any of you guys, some of you guys here I know are, are leaders of foundation groups or maybe in a foundation group. I don't know if you guys came to the newly married event we did back in August, I think, of last year, but we, we talked about this subject there as well. But I don't know if you guys have, have noticed this, but the, the socially acceptable answer nowadays to how are you is no longer fine uh, or or I'm doing well or good. The the only answer that is acceptable nowadays is to say busy. Right? I, I am busy. There's so much going on. Uh, I've got all these things that are happening in my life right now. And it seems like uh, lately in our culture, busyness has become just this huge badge of honor for us. That if, if we're not busy, then that means that, that we're somehow not valuable uh, or, or that we just are. There, there's something wrong with us. Maybe we're even lazy if we don't describe our lives over and over again as being really, really busy. And so uh, I, I think a lot of us have this going on right now, that, that if we look at our schedules right now, that, that really is the real answer to how are we doing. We feel like there is so much pressure. There's so many things to get done. The to-do list, never uh, we never seem to make any progress on it. If we get two or three things knocked off the to-do list, it seems like we're always adding two or three other things. And so it just seems like there's this overwhelming pressure to be going, 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 and always having something going on. And, and if you guys are like me uh, and Jackie a lot of times, when this happens in our life, which, which it happens often, uh, I, I sit there sometimes and I just start to think that this is unavoidable. Like, like this is just, there's nothing I can do about it. This is just the way life is. Uh, and, and so I start to develop almost this victim mentality with it, that, that there are just things that are completely outside of, of my control and outside of Jackie's control uh, that, that lead us to have to live this super fast-paced life. And, and it, so it just becomes kind of defeating after a while, and I just give up. And, and there are so many days that if Jackie and I are really honest, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, uh, we were just winging it. Like we were just we were just trying to hopefully keep up with the tasks, keep up with the email, keep up with the demands, keep up with the pace, keep up with the to do list where we really didn't have any plan when we woke up that day. The only plan was really just to, to survive and to try not to yell at each other uh, by the end of the day and, and then just try to get some rest so that we, we can wake up and do it again the next day. And so there's a lot of times where I just, I just look at this and go, okay, this is unavoidable. I'm, I'm a victim uh, in this circumstance. And, and what I want us to hopefully walk out of here with today is, is just understanding that we may have a little bit more control over the situation than we think, uh, but, but this problem of busyness uh, is, is enormous. And if we don't really take an opportunity to sit down and think about it and, and try to look at what are the things that are coming into our life that are keeping us so busy, uh, that there is really potential for a lot of damage that can happen in our relationship with, with others and then ultimately in our relationship with God. And so there's a lot at stake here, uh, which is why I think that this is such an important topic and such a relevant topic for all of us uh, to sit down and to think about. So I want to start with... Uh, you guys have a yellow sheet of paper there at your tables. I want to take a look at that Hebrews verse because there's something really interesting in this verse. 
uh, or, or these couple of verses here that I think will set us up well for what we're going to talk about the rest of the morning. And so I'll just read it real quick and then have a couple of observations and then, and then we'll go on through and, and talk about a bunch of different things related to this topic. So here's what the author of Hebrews says. He says, Therefore, uh, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so the author of Hebrews, if you guys are familiar with Hebrews, in chapter 11, he was laying out like all, like the hall of faith is what we call it. He was looking at all the Old Testament characters and he was recounting their life and how the one thing they all had in common is they all lived a life of faith. And so he, he's now switching from uh, going back and telling that story and then looking at the audience now and basically saying, okay, based on that example and the way that those guys lived, let us... Uh, being spurred on by their example, let us do the same thing that those guys did. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that gets in the way of us uh, pursuing after Christ. And what I think is the, the really interesting thing in here is he, he says there's two things that get in the way. There are sins and there are weights. And those two things are, are very different. All right, so we, we could talk all morning uh, about sins if we wanted to, and, and I think we would all agree that sin gets in the way of our relationship with God, and if it gets in the way of our relationship with God, then it's going to get in the way of our relationship with others. But what's really interesting is that he says to, to also take away those weights, those things that maybe are not sin, that actually can get, in, uh, get into our life and entangle us as, as we start to pursue after God. And so those two things of weights and sins are what, are what we see here. Yeah, so we're, today we're going to talk about the weights, okay? Because we really think that those can be as serious and as destructive as sin. They can affect our relationships and keep us from having, a, um, keep, keep us from pursuing the things that God would have us pursue and have fulfilling relationships in our lives, okay? And the thing with weights is that because it's not sin in and of itself, um, we don't necessarily feel guilty if we have too many of them going on in our lives. And um, we may not even think about it. We just, as Adam said, you just kind of wake up, you live your day, you go to bed, and you just feel overwhelmed. And so that's why we really want to stick on weights today. Um, and if, I, if we ask everyone in here today, like, what, what are some weights in your life? And we'll talk more about descriptions of what, what we're saying weights are. But as we got some answers about what's going on in your, in your lives, um, ultimately it would be summed up by just modern life. Think about the, the pace that we're running at, the information that we're processing on a daily basis, and the people that we're tracking with on a daily basis, the to-do list that we have every single day. If you think about that, and we'll break that down some more, I mean, you just realize that that can be completely overwhelming. And it definitely affects our relationships with our spouse, with our kids, with our friends, with our extended family. I mean, just keeping track of all of all the stuff in our lives. So if you think about that, if it affects our relationships with our husbands and our kids, then it definitely affects our relationship with God, our Creator, because He is the one that seems the least tangible to us. And I know if you're anything like me, that's the easiest relationship to let slide. I mean, the other ones kind of demand my attention, but God the most important relationship, that's the one that I'll let, let go. Yeah. 
So, I mean, reality is in Dallas, Texas, that, that it's busy. I mean, there, there's a lot going on. Just living in a big city and trying to track with relationships where two or three generations ago, uh, if you lived near downtown and then you had friends in Richardson, like, like that would you, you would describe those friends as just going, well, they live like three towns over. Like, we would never even think about trying to be in community with, with those people that live towns over. And so, you just think about the reality of living in a big city. Uh, it's just going to be busy. There's really nothing uh, at times that we can do. That's just going to be the reality of all this. And, and if you sit down and think about it, the, the great ally for busyness is supposed to be technology, right? Like that, that's supposed to be the thing that is supposed to help us get control back over our life. Now, I'm a huge, there's definitely some technology that I'm an enormous fan of. I love our dishwasher. I love the washing machine. Uh, I think the microwave is phenomenal. I love my, my automobile. So like there's certain, certain pieces of technology. Absolutely. They help us and they are a great ally. Uh, just think about the amount of laundry we we do on a weekly basis with little kids and if we had to do all that by hand uh, Jackie and I would not be here this morning we'd be at home doing laundry so uh, and you guys would be too so uh, so I like it but if you think about some of the other additional pieces of technology uh, and I just listed some out here that are kind of fun to, to think about how these things that are supposed to help us really get in and start to rob time uh, with all. So I just think about Facebook. Um, Jackie and I uh, just joined Facebook like three weeks ago with the promise that this was going to change our life forever. And um, what, if you guys are anything like, like, like this is the third major city that I've ever lived in. And so it is, com- it is so bizarre to me that I can track with people from my childhood, uh, from college, from Atlanta and Dallas, like they're, they're all on one screen and they can all see each other now. Like there are so many relationships now that, that I'm now tracking with again just because of face. So Facebook was supposed to be this easy thing. Like we didn't have to have, you know, we didn't have to have the, the planner anymore. We didn't have to have the, uh, the Rolodex of all the names and all that. And now now that has gotten in there. And, and so now I can look at, at pictures, everybody's pictures, everybody's blogs, and, uh, and just keep up with, with everybody from kindergarten up until people that I met, you know, this week. And so they're all, they're all right there. Uh, Bluetooth, right? The Bluetooth, that just makes us all look like we have imaginary friends, uh, but I guess it helps. And uh, DVRs, like, so we, we didn't have cable for a long time when we were married, like, We've been married seven years, so it was about five years, I guess, that we didn't have cable. Uh, and then we finally broke down and got cable. Um, and I'd comp- I just believed the lie that the DVR was going to help me get my life back uh, because I was going to watch TV at my, at my pace, right, on my schedule. And I was just going to pick the two or three shows. I think we got it when it was the last season of Lost. And so that was the great thing. Like, I felt so empowered. Like, I don't watch Lost on Wednesdays. I watch it on Fridays, right? That, that's just what I have with my DVR. And so I thought that it was going to just bring back all this power Uh, but what it ended up doing was uh, we ended up watching so much more television because I'm sitting there first of all I'm paying for it so I feel like I need to use it and then I'm going through there and I'm like an entire show on fried foods I'm going to record that, you know, and then you go through again. Oh, my gosh, they're staining a deck. Absolutely. I need to know how to stain a deck. And so I just end up recording all these shows and spending so much more time watching television. And so the DVR was robbing life from me when I thought it was supposed to help me get my life back. You know, now when we drive, we can basically watch movies and read books 
while we drive. Like there's all this multitasking that can happen with all of that. Um, you know, we, we pay a lot of money for these uh, these tank-like strollers that will allow us to, to run uh, and, and uh, keep our kids entertained at, at the same time. So the Kindle now, you know, we can carry every single book that we've ever read with us at one time, and we always have access to that information, which I don't even know if that's healthy or not. Twitter allows us to keep up with everybody's potty training schedules and progress. And then the iPhone, I mean, the iPhone allows us to watch movies, check email, check Twitter, read blogs, update our Facebook status, all while breastfeeding. And so, you know, it's just... It's going to be the technology. I just don't even know if it's really happening or not. So so here's the thing, though. Everybody else is doing it. We look around. Everybody's doing it. That's why we're giggling at some of that stuff, because we've all tried to do all of this multitasking and and tried to bring all this technology in. And so what what I do, I just sit around and go, everybody else is doing it. So so why, why shouldn't I? I mean, if I have access to all this information, why should I not process it? If I can have all of this technology, why should I not bring that into my life so that I can try to, to get some sort of life back? And if, if you guys are anything like, like Jackie and I, we just sit around and we just go, this is unavoidable. Everybody else is doing it, and so I should too. Uh, and, and just think that because it's all there, uh, that, it, that it makes sense for us to try to track with all of that with all of that stuff. And so I bet it, when, when it really boils down to it, we, we all can sit here and, and think that we're all probably moderate. Like all of us probably think we're somewhere in the middle. We know somebody that's less busy than us, but we certainly know a lot of people who are more busy than us. And as long as we're somewhere in the middle and everybody else is doing it, then, then we just kind of think uh, we just kind of think that we're okay. And so one author, there's a book that, that we're going to quote a lot today. is a book just called Crazy Busy. I don't know if anybody's read it by a guy named Dr. Edward Hollowell. And so just a little background on this book. Um, this guy is a doctor and he studied ADD for 20 or 25 years. And so in the late 90s, he had a bunch of people uh, of adults coming to him basically saying, hey, I, I, think, I, I think I have ADD. Uh, I think I have adult onset ADD is what they were saying. And so he would sit down and work with them and talk with them and do the testing. And what he realized is although these adults were not clinically diagnosable as having attention deficit disorder, they definitely were suffering from the symptoms that people who, who have attention deficit disorder were suffering from. And so what he realized is that these adults don't have ADD. They're just struggling with modern life. They, they're processing too much information, they're tracking with too many people, they have too many choices, and, it, and it's starting to mess with their heads a little bit where, where they're just frazzed all the time. They can't focus, they're having trouble sleeping, there's a lot of anxiety. Uh, and so what he did is he basically said uh, there are three big forces uh, that, that are really uh, distracting uh, or, or impacting modern life. And so the first one, and, and this on your sheet there too, the first one is called, is, uh, is it up? It's called the rush. There we go. Uh, so the rush is what he describes as the, turb- the turbocharged speed of life today. So just everything being so fast. And so here, as I just thought back, and I didn't have to go back far, just the past couple of weeks, and just how frustrated I get when things don't move quickly, just to show that, that I am a victim to just the rush of life. Uh, I, I, went, I, I got frustrated the other day that when I tried to make a deposit at my ATM, that the ATM was broken. Okay? Because, you know, know what I had to do? I had to drive around and use the drive through which in and of itself is a time-saving device, right? That I didn't, I, I was frustrated that the, I didn't want to have to talk to a person and I wanted to use that ATM real quick and, and life was moving so fast that I didn't want to have to go through, go through the drive through uh, The other day, I, I wanted to get breakfast on the way to work 
And so I was looking for a McDonald's, and I passed three of them because they were on the wrong side of the road. Like, I didn't want to make a left-hand turn. It, it, honestly, it just I, I thought that one minute of making a left-hand turn was going to throw my whole day off. And so I ended up passing three McDonald's before I finally said, you know what, they don't make McDonald's on the right-hand side of the road. I'm going to the other one. So uh, there's things that, like, are at home, like, we feel like our scanner doesn't work quick enough. And then um, the, the newest thing that I heard last week was that everybody hates Walmart now because there's not enough checkout open. You know, you actually have to wait like 10 minutes to, to check out when you have all of your stuff. And so there's just this, this fast-paced life that just really affects us now and we just, we just want everything fast. And so what it really boils down to is fast equals good and slow equals, equals torture. And so that, that, that is, that is uh, one of the forces that's in our life is we just want everything to be so quick. So the next one is the, the okay, gush. The second word he created, yeah, is the gush. And you can see the definition, the volume of data that we sort through every day. So I'm just going to go through some of the, the stuff that we sort through every day. Um, just think about on a daily basis how many emails you are sending and receiving every single day. And then think about how many advertisements you see. I mean, you get flyers in your door. You get catalogs that come through your mail. Um, you see the signs as you're driving on the highway and TV and magazine commercials constantly. Um, here's another one. Um, going to the grocery store. Yesterday, I went to Whole Foods, and I was going to get a bottle of water. Simple enough. There were so many choices of water. There were some, there were some bottles of water that if I bought it, I'd be helping people. There were some bottles of water that had vitamins in it. There were some bottles of water that had fruit flavors. There were some that were seltzery. I mean, it was just like, I ended up just not buying one, and really because it was so expensive at Whole Foods, but it was also just overwhelming, you know, just the number of choices we have when we go to the grocery store. I mean, when it was 100 degrees all last summer, it felt like Adam and I went to go get ice cream, you know, just really craving some ice cream, and we stood there 10 minutes just trying to figure out what flavor of ice cream that we wanted to buy because there were so many. And so you don't even think about this, but every time you go to the store, you're having to make a ton of choices. That, that's how much information is out there. And um, the other thing is just having a baby. How many of you guys spend so much time just researching what it's like having a baby? And then you go to your doctor, and they give you so much information. And then you get your sonogram, and you get so much more information. I mean, 30 years ago, we wouldn't have had this information. I know for us, it kind of created a scare because... Our second one, there was, a, there was a calcium deposit on the heart. They could see through this ultrasound. And so here we are thinking, you know, they told us there was a risk of downs because of that. It turns out the risk is like 1 in 100, you know, and it really wasn't something to worry about at all. But because we had the information, we were worried about it. Um, just think of all of the information you get as you check Twitter, the blogs, the emails. Um, and the other thing is, like, when you buy something these days, like, don't you spend a huge amount of time researching, reading comments, reading reviews. I mean, I, buying diapers I was trying to buy on Amazon, I mean, I, I, I got to read everyone's comment about the different diapers. I'm like, I don't know which diaper to buy. And I typically just always buy the same diaper, but because I was doing it on Amazon, I had to read everyone's thoughts on what they, you know, how Huggies work compared to Pampers, you know. So we have a huge amount of information that we are constantly processing that we're not even aware of. It's just it's normal today. Yeah, so the rush, the gush, and, and is you guys can see the natural thing that comes out of all of that is the worry. And so again, this is one, one author, this is just his observations on what he sees going on in our culture today. And so uh, it, this is what's really interesting about, about worry and anxiety is so uh, all of this information, all of this safety, uh, all of these great reviews, th this is supposed to make us feel calmer. 
All right, this is supposed to, to give us the information that we need so that we can live a more slow-paced and relaxed lifestyle. And it seems to be doing just the opposite. And so I, I went to the National Institute of Mental Health, went to their website. And, and, and really, to me, I think these are some, some pretty startling uh, statistics. So anxiety disorders, just anxiety disorders, which are, there's three types. There's, a, there's panic attacks or panic disorders, obsessive-compulsive disorder, uh, or post-traumatic stress syndrome. So those, those three things, so that's... that's that's under the umbrella of anxiety disorders. Anxiety disorders impact about 18% of the population each year uh, in the United States. And so that's about 40 million people uh, are diagnosed as having an anxiety disorder every year. This is the number one mental health issue uh, in America, uh, is, is the amount of worry and guilt uh, and, and just the panic that we have sometimes. Uh, and, and some of it has to do with the amount of information that we're processing. It seems so irrelevant nowadays, but, but this is my, this is my, maybe my, my number two struggle, shame and, and anxiety are the things that, that just uh, I have to battle with on, on a, really on a daily basis. And so uh, I remember, do you guys remember the whole swine flu scare that, that seemed like like it was 10 years ago, but I think it was just like a year ago or two years ago. I mean, it got to the point where I couldn't open up, uh, I couldn't look at a, at a website, like a news website. We, we just quit watching the news because all of that, like I just wanted all the information because I thought the information was going to help calm me and all the information did was it just ratcheted up my worry. And, and so the same thing happens nowadays. Like I am, you can laugh at this. It's not that I'm terrified of, of these thunderstorms that come through Texas. Like my number one fear is being in a car on the high five when a tornado comes through and um, and so when I I'm constantly reading weather reports uh, I'm constantly looking at weather alerts just to and especially when it's springtime I am on high alert because I think that information is going to calm me but it it does just the exact exact opposite so uh, I'm really nerdy when it comes to weather which is just not very attractive sometimes and then uh, and then now it just it, it makes me an anxious mess and so so this is this is really uh, this is really what life is like. So the rush and the gush uh, are not making life better necessarily. So they, they, it seems to be doing just the opposite. We may not be healthier uh, because of this stuff. And so th- this is the tension. Right? Th- this is where we are. Is that uh, we've got the rush and the gush and the worry. We've got all this information. We've got all these people to track with. We've got all these tasks to do, uh, and we've got that on one side. And then we have what matters most. So we've got connecting uh, deeply with actually like live with people. So we've got our friendships, we've got our family, we've got uh, our relationship with God. And there just seems to be tension between doing what matters and what is most important in our life or just keeping up the pace, processing the information and just just trying to track with everybody. And and these two things really uh, cause us to be bumping heads uh, and there seems to be a lot of tension uh, at times, and, and, and if we just go on uh, and without really thinking about it or thinking about any strategies to try to combat any of this stuff, then, then what we're doing is we're basically just just winging it. And so we want to spend the rest of the time now, and we're going to have a group activity for you guys as well, just trying to think about, uh, we just came up with six things, like really practical things that we think we can do, we can start today uh, to try to, to ease up this, this crazy busy life a little bit. So uh, you got the first one? How many of you guys, because we always hear that women are really good at multitasking, and Adam kind of threw out some things earlier, you know, and I think probably most people will say that they've done this. I mean, all the things you try to get done while you're breastfeeding, and it's just so great you can get all that stuff done. And how many of you would say that you're pretty good at multitasking? I mean, it's just a normal part of life, and 
Okay, that's that's a lot. Okay, I've never admitted that because I I'm horrible at it. I mean, when I used to work um, prior to having kids, um, if I was on the phone with Adam and I was also reading email, like, he would immediately know that my email voice was on. Like um, he could tell I was not engaged in him anymore. Like I was reading emails, you know. And so, I mean, I can't fool anybody when I'm distracted. Like I'm trying to cook with a recipe. Yeah, I won't be able to talk to you when I'm trying to do that. So, I mean, I've never been able to do it. So, kudos to you guys that have. But I'm going to read you a definition that that talks about multitasking. As you can see it up here, it refers to a mythical activity in which people believe they can perform two or more tasks simultaneously as effectively as one. So this is not saying that it cannot be done, because we, we all do it. It's just saying, can we perform two tasks as effectively as one? And I'm not talking about, you know, the, the brainless tasks, like sorting laundry. You can do that and have a conversation, doing dishes. Like, those are brainless tasks. But how many of you guys have done what I've done, besides, you know, checking email and talking on the phone, but um, when you're driving somewhere and you're on the phone and all of a sudden you reach your destination and you're like, hmm, don't remember any of that car trip. I hope I stopped at the stop signs, you know, yeah. because I certainly don't remember doing it. You know, how, have you guys ever done that? You're just like, hmm. You know, you're just totally engaged somewhere else, you know, while you're doing another task. And another phrase is this absent presence. You know, when your husband's at home and he's checking his email or watching TV and you're trying to have a conversation, do you feel like he's paying attention to you? I mean, no, because he's not. He's, he's physically there, but he's really not there. Um, mentally, he's not there. And so th there really is, I mean, there are some things we can multitask, but I think as you think about it, doing them effectively is probably, this definition is probably right on. Yeah, so understanding that multitasking is a myth. Is, it, I think that's really helpful just to go, okay, I need to, I need to just focus on one. So the second thing uh, that we have on there is understand that you probably have more control in this situation than you think. So, you know, as I described uh, life for, for Jackie and I at times, and I described that victim mentality uh, that, that I feel a lot of times when, when life just is going so fast. So here's what I want in the victim mentality is I, I want somebody to step in and tell me to slow down. Like I, I want somebody to come up, I want my wife to come up, or I want my boss or a friend or somebody to go, hey, guess what, we see your life, you're trying to do too much, I think you need to slow down. And so uh, there was, I was at lunch with uh, J.J. Bartow, I don't know if you guys know J.J. and his wife Charlotte, but I was at lunch with J.J. Bartow the other day, and he had this great saying, he said, nobody knows if your shoe is, is on too tight except for you. Uh, and, and what he was basically saying is that nobody is ever going to come in and tell you to slow down. You're the only one who knows if your pace is sustainable or not. You're the only one who knows the anxiety and the stress levels that you're feeling. And so if we want some of this to change, uh, we, I, I, what I need to do and when I, when I read this and think about this is I need to stop waiting for somebody to come and rescue me. Uh, I, I've got to be the one to raise my hand and to sit there and, and initiate a conversation with my spouse or, or do something at work or or talk to my friends or do something, it, it, it really is going to boil down to me uh, making the decision to do something about this. So Bill Hybels, who a lot of you guys know, pastors, Willow Creek Church up in, uh, up in Chicago, I love this quote uh, in his book about leadership. He says, you've got to let go of the illusion that there's someone out there who ought to be rescuing you. 
Establishing a sustainable pace for your life is nobody's job but yours. Your life, your ministry, your marriage, your family, they depend on it. I, I just think that's such a great word for us, especially as we start to think about, uh, think about our schedules and just understanding that there probably is, is some control that, that we have over this. And so the way that Jackie and I try uh, to have a little bit of control uh, over this, and you know, and probably good just to put a qualifier, I mean, we don't control much, in this life, I mean, it's not. We're certainly not God. We're certainly not sovereign. There, there are a lot of external circumstances that, that come into our life that we have to endure uh, that we don't have control over. But to that end, when Jackie and I sit down and we start to set some boundaries around our schedule uh, and we start to just set some uh, just some general guidelines, I'm surprised at, at how much control we actually do have. Like, like there's a lot that we get an opportunity to say no to. There, there's not as many uh, un wanted uh, intruders that come in and start to rob our time. Uh, certainly at seasons, like newborn seasons and, and different seasons at work and, and things like that that, that happen. Uh, but just the, just the simple task for us of sitting down around the first of every month and just Going through the calendar and just saying, okay, you know, when are we going to put some some time together on the calendar? When when are we going to try to get with those folks for dinner? When are we going to try to do that? And you know, we just put things on the calendar. It's really really helped us uh, just to try to keep the pace reasonable. And we do silly things like you know, with my job, I could I could have every night booked up if I wanted to with with night activities and different events that are going on. And so just simple things of just saying, all right, we're going to try not to have activities two nights in a row. Uh, nights that and especially with young kids, nights and mornings are so precious uh, and, and that's the way that I can really really help Jackie and so just little things like that of just saying alright if, if it's two nights in a row we're going to try to make sure that, that we don't do that so that we can maintain uh, a little bit of, of uh, just a normal pace uh, or a, as much as we can uh, in this culture so understanding that, that multitasking is a myth and understanding that you probably have more control in this situation than you think Okay, something else, and this is where the group activity is going to come in, but you really have to know yourself and what your biggest struggles are and the things that are robbing you of purpose and fulfillment. And so that's what this exercise is going to be. Um, but first I just want to read a, a proverb to you. Um, this is Proverbs 22.3. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Okay, and so that really speaks to the fact that um, if you do keep going at this crazy schedule, um, chances are if you don't suffer, the people in your in your lives are going to suffer. And you you really are going to suffer and that it's going to impact your relationship with God. And so so this is this is a kind of fun activity. You guys, there should be, um, maybe the facilitators have it, but each table has a list of um, two words and their definitions. And these are words that the author of that book, Crazy Busy, just he made up. And they're pretty entertaining. But what we want you to do is read those words, read the definitions, and then talk with each other at your table and come up with ways that you think you can combat, combat those um, issues that are robbing you um, from those words and definitions, if that makes sense. The instructions are on the piece of paper, too. We're going to give you about 10 minutes to do that, and then we're going to listen to what everybody's words and definitions are, and then what everyone thinks they can do to help um, defeat those things that are robbing you. Yeah, so this is a time to think of practical solutions to the problems uh, that are on those sheets of paper. And one, one of you guys will have uh, all those words are inherently negative except for one word. And so if whatever table has the word lilies, 
uh, that is a good word. So that, that's not something that you want to combat in your life. That's something you want more of. It'll make sense here in a second. So just know, if you're, whatever table has the word lilies, you guys can think of uh, ways to get more lilies uh, into your life. Okay? So we'll, we'll come back up here in about ten minutes. Okay, guys. You ready? All right, so just so you guys know, we, we took... There, there are a whole list of words that this author came up with, and we put together for you guys all of them on one sheet of paper. So when you leave today, you're going to be able to get every word that we're talking about, because I think this stuff is really, it's funny. Uh, some of it's really funny. Uh, but this, this guy, I think, nails it on being able to observe our culture and, uh, and, and create all these words. So who had, who had screen sucking and leeches? Which table had screen sucking? You guys did? Okay. So why don't you, why don't you read, the, read the definition of both of those and then share, share some practical ideas that you guys came up with. Great. Screen sucking, wasting time engaging with any screen, so computers, phones, TVs, etc. Um, obviously limiting that time, um, great idea is some ladies, they set their timer when they're on their computer so they don't get caught up in it and end up spending an hour checking email versus the 10 minutes they really meant to. Um, same thing with your, if there's a show you watch, uh, my husband and I, we limit one show a season. When Lost was happening, we watched Lost, and that's kind of what we did, but we didn't track or follow or record anything else. Um, right now, it's American Idol. <laughs> um, putting your phone out of reach. Like, that sucks me in. Like, at a stop sign or stop, anytime I have 30 seconds, I'm, like, scanning my email, and I feel like it's an immediate, I have to respond immediately when there's something in there, and thus I constantly feel anxious when I'm always looking at my phone. So a couple of thoughts were just put your phone aside, like in the car, make it to where you can't get to it very easily. Um, and also when you're with your kids, like when you're trying to be purposeful, purposeful like put it aside um, more. And then um, checking your email, like set times, like in the morning, nap time, and maybe in the evening. Like don't be constantly going to it because then I feel like, I know for me, like I feel like I have to respond to everything as soon as it hits my inbox. And that's the point of an email. Like, you can wait a little bit. If it was urgent, they would be calling or should be calling. Um, Good. And then the second one was leeches. People are projects that waste your time and attention. And honestly, we talked all the time about screen sucking, so we didn't get to that part. Um, but I would say just you have to check what those are and identify what they are and be careful you don't overcommit to projects and things that take you away from it. You have to prioritize. Are they something that's a priority in your life? And if they don't match your top five priorities, then they should be... Probably next. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy with leeches to think about projects. So the author says there's people and projects that we can get involved in that just that just suck time uh, and energy out of our life. And so the easy one is to think about projects and just go, okay, I don't have to maybe necessarily uh, clean my closets or organize uh, my my dresser or something like that. So it's easy to find projects just to say no to. Uh, I think the hard part is people. Uh, to sit there and go, okay, are there really are there really relationships that I'm tracking with right now that that maybe uh, maybe are just relationships that that just need to to not take up so much time. So I, I think those are interesting conversations to have. Not necessarily. I don't know if I would necessarily agree with the people one, but I think it is good uh, at times just to sit there and go, okay, you know, how, how many people can I really track with, uh, really in depth uh, right now, and start to think about uh, is that wasting any time or robbing any time? So good job, screen sucking and leeches. Love those words. Who had lilies and doom darts? Lilies and doom darts. Okay. So you guys want to read read the definitions of those? 
Okay, so it's kind of funny. Towards the end, we noticed that we had put way more time into doom darts instead of lilies, where we should have. So That's all right. <laughs> so typical. Um, so we did doom darts first. The definition is an obligation you have forgotten about that suddenly pops into your consciousness like a poison dart. <laughs> and so I'm going to back up. Um, so some of the things that we wrote down just as um, as examples of that were visiting family, feeling the obligation to do that, um, you know, having them see your kids um, a certain amount of time or whatever that was, following up, following through, uh, praying for others, forgetting to take snacks to kids' school, spending quality time with your spouse instead of just time, you know, watching the TV or, um, or doing something, actually spending intentional quality time, going to the bank, paying bills. And so some ways to, um, to combat those would be, um, as far as praying for others, one thing I try to do, um, and I'm not great at this all the time, but um, just inst- instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to be praying, I'm going to be praying about that for you, or I'll pray for you, just saying, can I pray for you right now? And um, and and so just doing it right then, instead of asking to do it later. Um, as far as going to the bank, paying bills, um, just putting a to-do list in a general location or even carrying like a pen and a paper. So when you think of something, to jot it down so it's not just something that's in your head to have it actually on paper to where you can mark it off or check it off whenever that gets done. Um, and then, you know, just I think with a lot of them, just being honest with yourself first. You know, where you are, what what does your time look like? What what extra time do you have? And then making sure you're communicating that to the to the other person um, if there is one involved for for when something might get done. I like that. That was the author's idea for for Doom Darts was was just having that that sheet of paper or a little a little notebook or something. He even went so far as saying put it by your bed. Uh, so if things just pop up in the middle or if you're having trouble falling asleep and you just start thinking of all the things you need to do, you just write it down and go, okay, it's there. I'm going to deal with it. And I think there's even a strategy to having it written as opposed to on a screen uh, because now if I'm going to go write it down on my iPhone, well. I'm also going to check Facebook. I'm going to check email. I'm going to look at Twitter, and I'm going to play three rounds of Angry Birds. You know, all just when I when I tried to do that real quick. So I think I think there's even some some good strategy on on just writing that stuff down. So did you guys talk about leeches at all? I'm sorry, lilies. Lilies, we did. We did ha- we did have some time to talk okay. about it. Um, so the definition of lilies is people or projects that, when you engage with them, make you feel fulfilled and satisfied. And um, so some of the things we came up with are just other moms. You know, this just building blocks having. Um, the opportunity to connect with other people in your same life stage, um, families, kiddos, husbands, actually following through and doing activities um, or things you know throughout the week just to share God's word. And so that the top thing, and I think the thing that's that's the biggest thing in that is making sure that you are making time for time in the Word um, and in prayer and building that relationship with with our Father and our Creator um, before you can do that. Good job, good yeah. job. So yeah, great. Thanks, guys. So leeches and lilies together. Uh, really the way those should go, that we would want to try to take those activities out of our life that are robbing uh, our attention and our time and, and fulfilling those and, and exchanging those actually with, with lilies was, was his term for that. So uh, who had email voice and giga guilt? Who had those? Giga guilt sounds like a transformer or something to me. When I, uh, sounds like Megatron. some toy. Yeah. Um. Email voice. The unearthly tone a person's voice takes on when they are reading email while talking on the phone. And we kind of expanded that also to just the internet sucking, you know, the click here, the click there, and getting sucked away, um, or TV. 
or basically doing anything while you're trying to actually have a conversation with someone on the phone. Um, and kind of like the first group had talked about, setting a time for checking your email rather than when um, just all the all along the day whenever you hear the bing or something like that that pops up so that you're setting a time and not letting it suck you away all day long. And then also just kind of focusing on the concept that realizing the person is more important than the email. I mean, if you're actually on the, a live person, which doesn't happen very often in our, um, you know, computer age, having an actual person on the phone, they are more important than whatever it is that you are in the middle of on the electronic device. Um, and then giga guilt is the guilt a person feels over missing something or disappointing someone even while knowing that keeping track of everything is impossible and having enough time to please everyone is impossible. And we didn't spend a whole lot of time on this one, but um, just knowing again that um, you can't do everything and setting limits for yourself and talking about prioritizing what, um, what is important to you and your family. Good. Good job. I like that. I like that. All right. Who had uh, tail dogging and kudzu? All right. You guys had tail. I'll read the definitions real quick while the mic is coming up. The tail dogging is going faster or pushing harder because other people are doing so. So the, the tail wagging the dog. Tail dogging. Okay. So we said... Um don't be afraid to be different than everyone else um, and just try to keep ourselves, protect ourselves from comparing ourselves to other people. Um, and then we talked about really just kind of basically spending time with the Lord, asking him to give us a good pace, to show us a healthy pace for ourselves, for our family. Because the minute we start looking at the next door neighbor or whoever else, it's not us anymore. And it's what he may have for them is different for us. So really going back to asking him what he wants for our days. Um, and then the kudzu, that's a big long definition. Um, the clutter in piles that invade where we work and where we live. The unstoppable, unkillable stream of unexpected minor requests from people everywhere that slow us down. The spam that infests our email. The junk mail that overruns our mailbox. And the useless information we continue to collect in spite of our best efforts not to. Um, one of the ladies had a great thing. If something comes into the house, something goes out. If you hmm. buy a new shirt, you look for something to get rid of. Um, kind of that mentality, which is great, just not to clutter up your home with things that you're not going to use anymore. Um, another good thing is just when you're opening the mail to do it over the trash can and get rid of as many things as you can and that you're not going to, you know, you just don't make a pile. Um, and just maybe schedule time in to open the mail and sit down at the desk and get you know, everything put away in the place where it needs to go before you just make a pile and move on. Um, and then email just deleting. You know, and again, taking time to sit and go through it, get rid of what's not important, but don't leave it there so it doesn't overwhelm you next time you sit down. Um, and then uh, Jessica said, just be, be intentional about what you buy. and Are you really going to use it? Are you really going to wear it? Hmm. And then that just cuts down on the number of things that are in the house and distracting you. Good job. So. That's a good. I like the, the mail thing. Uh, you guys heard the, the, I guess it's the acronym OHIO, only handle it once, O-H-I-O. So that's a, that's a great thing to do with the mail and the catalogs and all that stuff that comes in and emails. When the email comes in, it gets filed or it gets deleted. And you, and you just, sometimes just the stress of having that inbox that has got thousands and thousands of messages in it, sometimes that, that can add some stress as well. All right, Gimmel Smirch, who had Gimmel Smirch and Morning Burst. 
All right. Did you guys know how to pronounce Gimmelsmirch? Absolutely. Good job. Um, so some of the Gimmelsmirches that we had um, were, oh, the definition. Um, the force that distracts the mind or steals it away from what it wants to do or ought to be doing. We said that some of these things were iPhone, email, texting, driving. Um, I was telling the girls at my table that uh, my son today, this morning on the way here, asked me, Mommy, how do you drive without hands? <laughs> I was like, I'm driving with my knee. It's not safe. Don't ever do it. Um, um, so uh, we said that um, some ways to get away from this is to schedule some tech-free time to like block off a time every day where you have a couple of hours that you're not looking at your phone, you're not looking at the computer, you're not looking at your TV, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and to also focus on the task at hand, um, to do it and then walk away. Like if you're making a phone call, don't check your texts and your emails if you have an iPhone um, or Blackberry or whatever the device is. Um, and then also um, a good thing that Holly said was just calendar management. She said that if she didn't have anything to do that day, um, she would X out her calendar so that she, like that day on her calendar, so that she would not go in and fill it back up. Um, and then the other definition we had was morning burst. Which and this one was inherently positive too, Jackie. Reminded, so lilies yeah. and morning burst are actually good. Yeah. And yeah. um, so it's the time of day when you are mentally at your freshest, most able to concentrate and think clearly, least burdened by annoyances and tasks. Um, most able to bring your entire mind to bear on a single task. Um, and some of the things that we said would be good is to um, wake up before your kids get up. Um, and uh, that is like time to yourself in the mornings to take your shower and do all of that before your kiddos get up. And also quiet time in the morning, obviously. Um, and then we also said um, in kind of similarity to that is that if you have big projects that you want to tackle in the week to do them at the beginning of the week rather than like hump day or towards the end of the week where you're more drained and that way you'll have more energy to do the bigger tasks that you need to get done and then um, just another one that I'm we didn't really talk about but I'm on a huge bandwagon of is just TV reduction, just the poison that comes into your home like if you spend some time away from it my husband and I have totally limited TV um, and we hardly watch it at all except for maybe 30 minutes at night, which is the news only. But we watched a show the other day. I think it was maybe a basketball show, Final Four. And we were shocked at how much smut is on TV. And it's, it's kind of like a work that the Holy Spirit does on your heart. And the more you're away from it, the more you're transformed. And you see when you come back to it just how desensitized you were to it. And I, I, look, we don't have cable anymore, and it has really changed my kids and what they watch. And um, we also limit their time, and I think they're better for it. Good for you. So the final four show. I like that. <laughs> Also known as a game, but that's all right. So uh, that's good. Uh, junk time and pile on. Who had junk time and pile on? Oh, I think, all right, we had two. You guys had it as well. There were a couple repeats. So why don't you guys do You guys do junk time and then the other one do pile on. So, yeah. That's great because we didn't get to pile on. Okay, junk time. Um, the definition is the many activities we can gorge on before we get to the main task, leaving little room for it. Um, and we talked about practical ways would be to uh, make a list 
of the priority so it's visible right in front of you and you can actively check it off and that can serve as a reminder. Um, learning how to prioritize, and I think a lot of that is just habit. Um, just having, you know, every day, like for me, it's, okay, dishes, laundry, where am I on that? You know, and I just know, like, when boys go down for a nap, I think about, you know, where, where am I on that? And that's just more of a habit that you can get into on prioritizing, just knowing myself and that I can get distracted by junk time so quickly. Um, and just deciding what's important um, also is what we talked about. So that's what we have there. Good. So junk time is like, the, is like going out to eat Mexican food or Tex-Mex. It's all the chips and salsa you eat before the meal. And so the meal comes and you just either don't have time for it. And so there's a lot of those little tasks that can just be junk time as well. Uh, so when it comes time to doing the real task, we either don't have time uh, or we've, we, we just don't have the energy to do it anymore. So, all right, you guys said pile on, is that right? Yep. Yeah, and so pile on is your boss, your spouse, your children, their teachers, or simply fate piling task after task upon you as if your capacity to handle them were limitless. <laughs> we really like this one. Um, I think that basically just learning to say no. Yeah. And for me um, and a couple of the girls at our table, I know that like saying no without guilt is really hard, um, and I think that it's been something that I've learned that just having your own identity and confidence in your identity and confidence in knowing, you know what, I talk to God about that, and so it's totally fine that I'm saying no in a nice way, but just because you know, you know that you and God chatted and you feel strongly that you can say no to this. For me, that's a big deal that I have like, you know, God's backing and that I prayed about it instead of just my whatever. Yeah. Okay. That's good. All right, info addict and human moment versus electronic moment. Who had that one over there? You guys, I'll read it while the mic's getting over there. The info addict is wanting what's new, what's latest, what's now. A person can become all but addicted to keeping up second to second with what's going on and relying totally on the judgment of others to select what belongs under that curious term of information. Okay. Um, You know, we actually just kind of felt like both of these were kind of hand-in-hand with the um, info addict and human moment versus electronic moment. And we talked about just cutting down on your screen time, like the time then when the kids are maybe watching TV or they're playing, and we're like, we're just going to go to our computer and just kind of see what's going on. We're going to jump on Facebook. We're going to, you know, maybe I said sometimes I'll think I even need more information. I'll hit CNN.com to see what else is going on. And, and then, you know, you can just keep going and going and going. So just kind of cut down on that, that screen time. Um, because, you know, it's just you just separate yourself from the kids, and then they're going crazy, and you get drug into stuff that's really not that important. Um, some people even talked about getting rid of their Facebook account. <gasps> just, what? I know. There are people that have done it. I, I'm not one of them. <laughs> but I'm really thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so just to say, you know what? It's, it's just a drain, you know, maybe kind of a superficial way to keep up with relationships and things of that nature. And so they haven't done it. And I even have friends that have just never even started it. I'm like looking for them to become their friend, and they're not, they're, they're not there. Um, and then another person wisely suggested asking for accountability. Um, just saying, hey, you know, I think it was you. You said you have a friend. You have a friend that said, you know, between the hours of 3 and 5, if you see an email that comes from me during that time, will you ask me about that? Because I don't need to be on the computer during the witching hours where I'm checked out from my kids. Um, and just, you know, I think we all can do it. I, I know, me personally, I, I have a million other things that I can be doing. And I'll sit down at the computer, and I have wasted time. I've wasted time in, engaging with my children. I've wasted time... Um, 
could be spent cleaning my house or doing the dishes or the laundry or whatever. And then my husband comes home and I'm in a frazzle because I've wasted precious time doing something of no value. So that's what we got. Good job. Good job. All right. Uh, one of my favorites is in the next one, frazzing and pizzled. Who had frazzing and pizzled? All right, read the definitions for these. Frazzing is multitasking ineffectively, and pizzled is a combination of pissed off and puzzled when someone takes a mobile phone call in the middle of a conversation. Yes. So for frazzing, we had um, just not doing, not multitasking on things that need your full attention. So we talked a little bit about when we're playing with our kids, not having a TV on in the background and just focusing on playing with our kids. And also just sort of prioritizing that some things just, don't need to get done right away, you know, like, you know, laundry and dishes need to be done, but there's a prioritizing that goes on with that. And then for Pizzled, I mean, there's really not much you can do when someone takes a phone call when you're having a conversation, but just setting the precedent that you're not going to do that when you get a phone call and just talking about it with the other person, like, you know, hey, was that necessary? Stuff like that. Good. Megalopt. I, can't, I have trouble pronouncing this one. Megalopatis? Do you want to try that one? Who's going to? Julie, are you going to do that one? No? All right, Laura. I want her to, if you want her to. No, I want to hear you pronounce it. How, how do you guys pronounce it? Megaloctopus. Good job. I Thank like you. that. Megaloctopus. We've been practicing. Uh, wherever you go, the megaloctopus extends its tentacles trying to trap you and keep you from doing what you're trying to do. Um, we just talked about having an intentional plan, like with our kids, to spend time with them since they are our job to disciple them and love on them. Um, and sweet Julia came up with a wise proverb, where there is no virtue, <laughs> the people, what is it, where there's no vision, I wrote incorrectly, the people perish. And so just having a game plan for the week of like when you're going to spend time with your kids and how you're going to disciple them and how you're going to focus on them. Good. And then would you like to say the next word? I want you to. Uh, um, for, and then losophilia. Uh, forgetfulness derived from data overloaded tendency to lose things based on the fact that a person has more things to keep track of than a normal human being can manage. That's right. um, and we talked about putting reminders on our phones so that we don't forget stuff. And then sitting down on Sunday with um, our husband and planning the week. And then also having a key place where we keep everything, like keeping your keys and your wallet and everything in the same place That's every day great. so you don't lose stuff. Good job. Good job, guys. That, that was great. There's a lot of great practical suggestions on there. Definitely a lot of themes as well, but I love those words. I think that guy, uh, very creative in the, in the words that he made up. And again, grab one of these green sheets on the way out, and that, that's all the words we talked about and all the definitions, and you guys can take those home. Great. Okay. Monica's got those and her and Allison will pass those out. Okay. So uh, a couple more things here. So the first thing we can do is understanding that multitasking is a myth. Second thing, understanding we have more control. Third thing, know yourself. So not all of us suffer or, or struggle with all of those words, but there's probably one, two, three, or four on there. They're going, yep, that's mine. Uh, and so just know yourself well and, and try to figure out a way that, that you can combat uh, those negative forces that just take us take us away from uh, from what's just so important uh, in this life that I know that we want to spend our time doing. So that's the third thing. Fourth thing is limit choices. Limit choices. What's crazy about us here in America is that we think choice equals freedom. Right? Like if you limit our choices, we feel like you're, you're taking away some of our freedom. Uh, and so just understanding, though, that the, the, the toll 
that all of those choices take on us. As Jackie talked about when she went to the grocery store, uh, you take one one walk through Super, Super Walmart and you just just for a simple thing like bread. Uh, and and I, I challenge you guys, next time you go in there to look for bread, count the different types of bread. Just something really simple, just how many options there are, how many different brands, how many different flavors, how many different types. It's just, it's overwhelming. Then you go to the next aisle and you just want to get some soft drinks and you look at just just even one type of diet, like you just want Diet Coke or you want Coke Zero. Well, do you want it in a two liter or one liter? Do you want the big bottles, the small bottles, the big cans, the small cans? Do you want the refrigerator pack? Do you want the K? I mean, it's just, you are just making, we we probably make more decisions in one trip to the grocery store uh, than our grand grandparents did in an entire week or month. Just one trip in one hour at Walmart, we are just processing so much information and making so many decisions. And then, as Jackie also talked about, when it comes to buying a product, uh, how much time we can spend making sure that we want to get the best product at times. And so there's another really interesting book out there called The Paradox of Choice, uh, where uh, it really should be no surprise, a, a guy uh, started to study all of these different choices that we have and, and started to take a look at what is that doing to our mental health and what is that doing to our overall quality of life. And what he basically saw is there's two types of people in this world. There's what he called a maximizer and then another one called a satisficer. And a maximizer is, is the type of person that has to uh, just something as simple as like buying a red sweater. They've got to research everything. They've got to go to every store. They've got to make sure that they not only get the best price, uh, the best fit, and the best brand, but and, and so they will spend an entire uh, day sometimes shopping for one thing to maximize, to make sure that if they're going to buy that red sweater, it is going to be the best one that they can get for the best price. On the other end, you've got satisficers. They're just going, listen, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go to one store and I'm going to get whatever red sweater they have for whatever price and you're just you're in and out and and looking at the quality of life who probably has a better quality of life and the research they had was showing that satisficers tend to have a a better quality of life of just being you know and and again these are just different studies so the way they define quality of life is maybe going to be different than a biblical worldview but I think the principle is still the same that we all can waste so much time trying to maximize when it comes to choices so just the simple fact of limiting our choices just saying okay I'm going to do the grocery shopping at two places or, or, or just one place uh, when it comes to researching something or buying something, we're just going to look. Uh, we're going to look at one website and go to one store. Um, just the, the, you know, again, as some people talked about cable. You know, just the number of, of channels that we have sometimes, or the things that we're going to choose from. I love that idea of just picking one television show a season to watch. Which, what's great about all that is everything's on DVD now, and and everything's out on the web. You, you can you can watch these shows at different times, just watching one at a time. So doing different things uh, to limit our choices uh, can also uh, really help us to uh, to. to slow down a little bit. And then, oh yeah, sorry, this is my, my part too. Uh, then, uh, learning to cheat well. Learning to cheat well. That's the last thing that we're going to talk about. So, um, you guys have, have maybe even heard this. Uh, Andy Stanley, a pastor in Atlanta, talk, wrote this book called Choosing to Cheat. And uh, again, another great resource that I would suggest you guys read. And just looking at basically this exact same uh, issue that we're talking about today. And the, the, the fact of the matter is that the, the, the fact that we all have a to-do list means that we can't get everything done, right? So, so we know that if we were going to take everything that we have to do at home, everything that we have to do with our relationships, everything with family, and you were to put that all on a to-do list and you had no distractions, uh, you still in one full day could not get everything done that you need to get done. And so we all are making choices no matter what, whether or not we recognize it. We're all choosing to cheat 
someone or something, right? So we, we know that we have so many hours in any, any given day. And so we're, we're choosing where are we going to spend our time and what tasks are we going to try to get done. And what we need to do is we need to, to recognize that and understand that, okay, I'm, I'm choosing to cheat something in this world and I need to make sure that I cheat well. And, and so the, the illustration that you guys have maybe heard of from Stephen Covey with the rocks, have you guys heard of the, the rock illustration? You guys know Stephen Covey, he wrote that Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And so what he would do is, in his seminars is, uh, and I'll just illustrate it here because it's a simple illustration, is uh, he'd have a table and there'd be four buckets. And there'd be three buckets full of rocks and then one larger bucket that was empty. And the one bucket had really big rocks, the other one had some gravel, and then the, the third bucket had sand. And so he'd call somebody up from the, uh, from the audience and say, okay, your job is to get all of those three, those three buckets, the big rocks, the small rocks, and the sand, get it in this one empty bucket. You, you've got to get it all in there. And so... He would just let them have at it, and, and what would happen is uh, they would put the small rocks and the sand in first, and then they would go to the big rocks and try to fit it into that, into that bucket, and, and everything would not fit. And so what he would do is he'd, he'd empty all that back out, and he would say, no, the, the only way you can get all of these things into that bucket is if you put the big rocks in first... And then you put the gravel in, and the gravel will go and fill in the space around the big rocks. And then you put the sand in last, and the sand goes and fills all around the gravel and the big rocks. And so with the, the, the point being that in life, when we have all of these tasks, what we need to do is, we, in order to cheat well, we need to figure out what are our big rocks? What, what are the most important things that we want to make sure we get done every day? And we need to do those first. We need to put those in first. And then the secondary activities of the medium-sized rocks and the sand will go in and fill in the cracks. If we do it the other way, not everything's going to fit. And then, hopefully, on any given day, any given week or month, if we can put the big rocks in first, then we at least know that we've, we've had a shot at trying to get the most important things done uh, that we want to get done. And so Jackie and I, Jackie's just going to talk about some of our big rocks and how, how we try to cheat well. Yeah, I mean, Adam and I have kind of determined what's the most important things for us, and I'm just going to read through them real quickly, then touch back on a couple of them. You know, we're kind of running tight on time, but everyone, everyone in here, you guys all need to determine for yourself what your big rocks are, and then you need to talk to your husband and together figure out what are the priorities in your marriage and in your life. And so for us, uh, number one, and this is not equated with time, kind of obvious, but number one, obviously, is that relationship with God and that time you spend with God. And then the next one is your spouse and then children. And then for us, it's uh, making sure we get decent sleep and, and exercise. So just real quickly, with time with God, this is something that I've been really convicted by this past year. But I don't know if you're like me. When, when I start letting that slip, my world becomes really small really quickly. Very fast, it becomes all about me. You know, I'm just get very self-absorbed. You know, my little world reigns when, I don't, when God is not first in my life. And so if, if you're anything like me, I mean, I've come to realize I absolutely need to put God first and to spend time with Him each day so that I can, you know, love others well, love my husband well, um, that I can prioritize the way He would want me to prioritize, you know, and what's important to Him in my day becomes important to me. And so that, that's, that's huge. Um, and then your spouse. Like Adam and I just realized this past year, and we kind of took stock of 2010, we've, we just got really lazy in our relationship. And so, um, you know, instead of really pursuing each other and um, really trying to be creative and having fun together and just romancing each other, you know, we just, 
we didn't even think about it really. I mean, it wasn't a conscious thought. And if you would have asked us how everything's going, we would have said, oh, yeah, it's fine. I mean, we're resolving conflicts, we're communicating, but we were not romancing and pursuing each other. And so, um, you know, it was just realizing that we were in a rut and we really needed to do something about it. And so, you know, we put that on the calendar now. I mean, we, we take date nights, we take turns being creative and coming up with different ideas. Um, physical intimacy I mean just trying to prioritize that and really making that fun as well I mean just spending time serving and pursuing your husband I mean it's things are so much more fun now as we prioritize that and so it's easy for the kids to um, you know kind of get to be that priority over our husbands. I mean, we don't. We know that's not right, but because they're so demanding, and we, we've all heard this before, you've got to be intentional about making sure your energy and time gets focused on your, your husband. And, and it may be a question to ask them as you talk about this is, do you feel cheated? Do you feel like I'm cheating you with everything else in life? Um, and he talked about the schedules that's, for us that works really well. Um, and then time with your children, and I loved some of the ideas you guys came up with in your, in, your, in your circles, but, you know, for those of you that stay home or work part-time, and I know you're spending a lot of time with your children, but was there any conviction at all when you thought about how much time you are looking at the screen or cleaning even or doing other things when, they, when you want to really focus on them? And, you know, I mean, these, these days go by quickly, you know, and I would hate to look back and think, oh, I needed a clean house or I had to respond to my email instead of really focusing that attention on the, on the kids. Um, and so, again, I loved your ideas about, you know, setting a timer when you're checking your email and um, cutting out TV. And um, we've kind of done that during the week as well. And it just it's great. So I just encourage you guys to keep thinking about ways that you really you really prioritize well because your time is so limited. Good. So, you know, the uh, we could sit here and, and talk all morning about the what, uh, and, and this was just five ideas, actually, uh, that, that we spent the morning talking about. And, and the what uh, is great, and we, we could talk about that, and we could go out of here and all charged up and saying, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to change things, we're going to try to get our schedule back. And, uh, but if we don't embrace the why, like why this is important, then, then we are going to really, really quickly run out of energy w- with any of this. And, and, and so if, if I can just um, just spend a few minutes just talking about that and, and we'll close things up here is, um, you know, I, I think about John 15:5, uh, where Jesus basically just says that apart from me, you can do nothing. And, and if I really sit there and think about that, uh, I really have to ask myself, do, do I believe that? Do I really believe that apart from that, that most vital of all relationships, apart from staying connected to the vine of Jesus, do I really believe that I can do nothing? If I could be king for a day around Watermark, and if I could just look at what, what is one thing, if I could wave, wave a magic wand and change everything about every person uh, who goes to Watermark, uh, I, I really think this would be, this would be my wish. Uh, this would be the one thing, the, the, the subtle undercurrent of just busyness. Uh, just, we, we are, and, and it's great to be a part of, of a young and vibrant and entrepreneurial type church because there are so many things to do, right? We can be so active. Uh, we are a, nobody would ever accuse Watermark of being lazy. Uh, we, we are people who are out there and we are trying to do stuff. But, but we need to remember sometimes just to be 
and just understanding that if we are constantly moving, constantly thinking of the next thing to do, that sooner or later, I don't know when that's going to be, for some of us it may be in a month, for some of us it may be in a year, for some of us it may be five years down the road, but sooner or later, if we are not regularly connecting with the vine of Christ, we are just going to run out of energy. We won't be the... the the spouse that we want to be, we won't be the parent that we want to be, we won't be the um, the friend that we want to be, the coworker that we want to be. We we are just going to run out of energy. The only hope that we have to any sort of sustainability in this life is maintaining that 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 number one priority uh, of being able to spend time with Christ. And if we look at Christ's example. Right, if, you, if you read through the Gospels, Christ, right before he launched a, a, something new, a new type of ministry, or, or at times when he had the crowds surrounded uh, all around him, all the needs that were there, uh, what, what did we see him do time and time again is we would see him slip away. Uh, we'd see him go out in the wilderness and spend the night uh, just alone by himself. We'd see him just break away with one or two of his disciples. We saw that, that going and being with people and being busy, but then that constant just going away. So we even look at the example of Christ, and this is, this is what he did, is, is, is making sure that he stayed connected to the Father and that he maintained that, that most vital of all relationships uh, during that time. So we can look at Christ's example, and then the other one, just thinking about the Israelites. And so the Israelites had uh, that requirement requirement of the Sabbath. And God basically said to them that, hey, you are going to work for six days, and on the seventh day you're going to rest. And when the Israelites were wandering in the desert, and it was just them, they were just surrounded by themselves, where everybody was only working six days, and then they would take a break on the seventh, I'm sure it was very, very easy for them to take that break. But when they started to settle in the land, and foreigners started to come in, and people were there, and there were other people who were not following God like they were, and they watched those people start to work seven days a week. I'm sure that for the Israelites to maintain the Sabbath, it really boiled down to, are they, did they trust God? Did they trust that God could do more with their six days uh, than they could do with seven? And, and I think that although that, that, uh, that requirement or the law of the Sabbath is not, is not in for us, I think that principle is so relevant for us to think about, you know, and really the same question, do we trust God? And do we trust that he can do more uh, with two or three hours out of our day uh, if we prioritize things right? Do we trust he can do more with less time and we could still get the tasks done? We could still uh, be able to, to maintain the order that we have uh, or that we want and that we desire. Do, do we really trust God with our schedule? And so I, I think that those things more than any, uh, we really have to embrace the why and understand that, that there is so much potential for damage if we are just out there just going through through all this in our energy, not trying to not trying to think about it at all. So, uh, we got a couple of discussion questions that we wanted to throw up there for you guys. I just want to say one yeah. other thing with that. I, I just want to make sure that you honestly evaluate and just say, are you believing the lie that what you need is um, to to keep that constant internet connection, that email, all that stuff, or do you believe the lie that you just need relaxation? Because for me, that was the lie that I was believing. I thought, I mean, I had a newborn last year, pregnant, like, you know, I deserve to relax. Like, that's going to fulfill me. That's going to give life to me. But I, I think if you're all probably done this, you know, you sit at night, you're done, your kids are in bed, you watch TV, and you think it's going to be relaxing, and then you turn it off and go to bed, and it's like, blah, like that. That was I just feel blah now, you know. It wasn't life giving to me, you know. And so, really, what we need is is God, because He's the one. He's the only one that truly can restore our souls. And just want to read real quick Psalm 23, 2 and 3. The Lord is my shepherd; I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
one sec. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. So we, if, if you if you don't believe that, you're going to be led astray. But God is the one that refreshes us. So we have to go to Him for that refreshment that we all so desire and the life that we really are looking for. So just that reminder there. Great, great. So we got some discussion questions for you guys to uh, to wrap up, and uh, we appreciate your time this morning. Yeah, if you'll at your table, if you'll look at those questions and then take some time to talk about some answers to those questions with each other. Yeah. Since we have a, a little bit of time, like 25 minutes, why don't we take questions for about 10 and then we all have time to discuss. Anyone have any questions? Adam and Jackie? Uh, I think for me, one of the hardest ones, we're talking about people, uh, making time for people, and just the demands in ministry, because it seems like the deeper you are into ministry, the more the demands go. How do you guys, especially, you know, being on staff too, I mean, the demands just have to be endless. How do you guys, because I mean, that's, a, that's a really hard thing sometimes when you feel needed um, to be able to say no or push things out later. So how do you guys wrestle with that? I guess I have the microphone, so I'll answer. Um, that's a great question, Morgan. Uh, you know, work has to stay at home. Like, it's never, it's never going to be... Um, like it's just never going to be done. There, there, it's never going to be. I'm never going to be caught up with it. And so part of it was just is just knowing I'm always going to feel a little bit over my head uh, with some of this stuff. And uh, and especially when it comes to uh, to people, I, I think that for me, and, and I'm not trying to be silly here, but the Messiah complex. Like I'm not the Messiah. I'm not what they need. Uh, what they really need is they need they need Christ and they need God. And so sometimes not talking to them and just praying for them and setting that boundary. Uh, sometimes that's the best thing uh, for folks. And so and I learned that from Kadersha early on. That uh, so I've been on staff about a year. It was like I got a, a, an SOS phone call. Somebody wanted to meet with me on like a Friday.